0: be the weird you want to see in the world. I'll see you next time on The Power of Weird. Welcome to this week's episode of Dead America. I'm Ed Waters, your host. And this week's episode is going to take us back into the 1800s, where we find a very unique individual. This individual was a patent clerk, a teacher. This individual was an advocate for civil rights. This person was a humanitarian. This individual was a pioneering American nurse who founded the American Red Cross. She was a hospital nurse in the American Civil War, a teacher. This individual was Clarissa Harlow Barton, born December 25, 1821, and died April 12, 1912. Let's get into this week's episode of Clara Barton. Clara Barton was born December 25, 1821 in North Oxford, Massachusetts. Her father was Captain Stephen Barton, a member of the local militia, and a select man who inspired his daughter with patriotism and a broad humanitarian interest. Barton's mother was Sarah Stone Barton. When Sarah was three years old, She was sent to school with her brother, Stephen, where she excelled in reading and spelling. At school, she became close friends with Nancy Fitz. She is the only known friend Barton had as a child due to her extreme timidity. When Barton was 10, she assigned herself the task of nursing her brother, David, back to health after he fell from the roof of a barn and received a severe head injury she learned how to distribute the prescribed medication to her brother as well as how to place leeches on his body to bleed him it was a well known standardized treatment at that time she continued to care for david long after doctors had given up he made a full recovery her parents tried to help cure her tittenus by enrolling her to colonel stones high school But their strategy turned out to be a catastrophe. Barton became more timid and depressed and would not eat. She was brought back home to regain her health. Upon her return, her family relocated to help a family member. A paternal cousin of Clara's had died and left his wife with four children and a farm. The house that Barton family was to live in needed to be painted and repaired. Barton was persistent in offering assistance. Much to the gratitude of her family, after the work was done, Barton was at a loss because she had nothing else to help with, and she didn't want to feel like a burden to her family. She began to play with her male cousins, and to their surprise, She was good at keeping up with such activities as horseback riding. It was not until after she had injured herself that Barton's mother began to question her playing with the boys. Barton's mother decided she should focus on more feminine skills. She invited one of Claire's female cousins over to help develop her femininity. From her cousin, she gained proper social skills as well. To assist with Claire's shyness, her parents persuaded her to become a schoolteacher. She achieved her first teacher's certificate in 1839, at only 17 years old. The profession interested Barton greatly and helped motivate her. She ended up conducting an effective redistricting campaign that allowed the children of workers to receive an education successful projects such as this gave Barton the confidence needed when she demanded equal pay for teaching in 1838 Barton became an educator for 12 years in Canada and West Georgia Barton fared well as a teacher and knew how to handle the rambunctious children particularly the boys Since as a child she enjoyed her male cousins and brothers company, she learned how to act like them, making it easier for her to relate and to control the boys in her care. After her mother's death in 1851, the family home closed down. Barton decided to further her education by pursuing writing and languages at the Clinton Liberal Institute in New York. In this college, she developed many friendships that broadened her point of view on many issues concurring at the time. The principal of the institute recognized her tremendous abilities and admired her work. This friendship lasted for many years, eventually turning into a romance. As a writer, her terminology was pristine and easy to understand. Her writings and bodies of work could instruct the local statesman. No one could exceed her outstanding service to humanity in war and in peace. In 1855, she moved to Washington, D.C. and began work as a clerk in the U.S. Patent Office. This was the first time a woman had received a substantial clerkship in the federal government and at a salary equal to a man's salary. For three years, she received much abuse and slander from male clerks. Subsequently, under political opposition to women working in government offices, her position was reduced to that of a copyist. In 1856, under the administration of James Buchanan, she was fired because of her black republicanism After the election of Abraham Lincoln, having lived with relatives and friends in Massachusetts for three years, she returned to the patent office in the autumn of 1861, now as temporary copyist in the hope she could make way for more women in government services. On April 19, 1861, the Baltimore Riot resulted in the first bloodshed of the American Civil War. Victims within the Massachusetts Regiment were transported to Washington DC after the violence, which happened to be Barton's home at the time. Wanting to serve her country, Barton went to the railroad station where the victims arrived and nursed 40 men. Barton provided crucial personal assistance to the men in uniform, many of whom were wounded, hungry, and without supplies, other than what they carried on their backs. She began helping them personally, taking supplies to the unfinished Capitol building, where the young men of the 6th Massachusetts Militia who had been attacked in Baltimore, Maryland, were housed. Barton quickly recognized them as she had grown up with some of them and some she even taught. Barton along with several other women personally provided clothing, food and supplies for the sick and the wounded soldiers. She learned how to store and distribute medical supplies and offered emotional support to the soldiers by keeping their spirits high. She would read books to them write letters to their families for them, talk to them, and support them. It was only that day that she identified herself with Army work and began her efforts towards collecting medical supplies for the Union soldiers. Prior to distributing the provisions directly onto the battlefield and gaining further support, Barton used her own living quarters, as a storeroom and distributed supplies with the help of a few friends in early 1862. Despite opposition in the War Department and among field surgeons, ladies' aid societies helped in sending bandages, food, and clothing that would later be distributed during the Civil War. In August 1862, Barton finally gained permission From Quartermaster Daniel Rucker to work on the front lines. She gained support from other people who believed in her cause. These people became patrons, her most supportive being Senator Harry Wilson of Massachusetts. After the first battle of Bull Run, Barton placed an ad in the Massachusetts newspaper for supplies. The response was a profound influx of supplies. She worked to distribute stores, clean field hospitals, apply dressings, and serve food to wounded soldiers in close proximity to several battlefields, including Cedar Mountain, Second Bull Run, and Fredericksburg. Barton helped both Union and Confederate soldiers. Supplies were not always readily available, though. At the Battle of Antietam, for example, Barton used corn husk in place of bandages. In 1863, she began a romantic relationship with an officer, Colonel John J. Elwell. In 1864, she was appointed by Union General Benjamin Butler as the lady in charge of the hospitals at the front of the Army of James, Among her more harrowing experiences was an incident in which a bullet tore through the sleeve of her dress without striking her and killed a man to whom she was tending. She was known as the Florence Nightingale of America. She was also known as the Angel of the Battlefield. After she came to the aid of the overwhelmed surgeon On duty following the Battle of Cedar Mountain in Northern Virginia in August of 1862, she arrived at a field hospital at midnight with a large amount of supplies to help the severely wounded soldiers. This naming came from her frequent timely assistance as she served troops at the battles of Fairfax Station, Chantilly, Harper's Ferry, South Mountain, Fredericksburg, Charleston, and many more. After the war, she ran the office of missing soldiers at 437 and a half Seventh Street, Northwest Washington D.C., in the Gallery Place neighborhood. The office's purpose was to find or identify soldiers killed or missing in action. Barton and her assistants wrote 41,855 replies to inquiries and helped locate more than 22,000 missing men. Barton spent the summer of 1865 helping find, identify, and properly bury 13,000 individuals who died in Andersonville prison camp it was a Confederate prisoner of war camp in Georgia with extreme conditions by the way she continued this task over the next four years burying 20,000 more Union soldiers and marking their graves Congress eventually appropriated $15,000 towards her project. Barton achieved widespread recognition by delivering lectures around the country about her war experiences in 1865 through 1868. During this time she met Susan B. Anthony and began an association with the woman suffrage movement. She also became acquainted with Frederick Douglass and became an activist for civil rights. After her countrywide tour, she was both mentally and physically exhausted and under doctor's orders to go somewhere that would take her far from her current work. She closed the missing soldier's office in 1868 and traveled to Europe in 1869. During her trip to Geneva, Switzerland, Barton was introduced to the Red Cross and Dr. Apia. He later would invite her to be the representative of the American branch of the Red Cross and help her find financial benefactors for the start of the American Red Cross. She was also introduced to Henry Dunnett's book, A Memory of Solferino which called for the formation of a national societies to provide relief voluntarily on a neutral basis. At the beginning of the Franco-Prussian War in 1870, she assisted the Grand Duchess of Baden in the preparation of military hospitals and gave the Red Cross Society much aid during the war. At the joint request of the German authorities and the Strasbourg Committee des Source, she superintended the supplying of work to the poor of Strasbourg in 1871 after the Siege of Paris and in 1871 had charge of the public distribution of supplies to the destitute people of Paris. At the close of the war, she received honorable doctrinations of the Golden Cross of Baden and the Prussian Iron Cross. When Barton returned to the United States, she inaugurated a movement to gain recognition for the International Committee of the Red Cross, the ICRC, by the United States government. In 1873, she began work on this project and in 1878 she met with President Rutherford B Hayes who expressed the opinion of most Americans at the time which was the US would never again face a calamity like the Civil War. Barton finally succeeded during the administration of President Chester Arthur using the argument that the new American Red Cross could respond to crisis other than war, such as natural disasters like earthquakes, forest fires, and hurricanes. Barton became the president of the American branch of the Society, which held its first official meeting at her I Street apartment in Washington, D.C., May 21st, 1881. The first local society was formed August 22nd 1881 in Dansville Livingston County New York where she maintained a country home domestically in 1884 she helped in the floods of the Ohio River provided Texas with food and supplies during the famine of 1887 and took workers to Illinois in 1888 after a tornado that same year, to Florida for the Yellow Fever epidemic. Within days after the Johnstown Flood in 1889, she led her delegation of 50 doctors and nurses in response. In 1897, responding to the humanitarian crisis in the Ottoman Empire in the aftermath of the Hamadian massacres, Barton sailed to Constantinople, and after long negotiations with Abdul Hamid II, opened the first American International Red Cross headquarters in the heart of Turkey. Barton herself traveled along with five other Red Cross expeditions to the Armenian province in the spring of 1896, providing relief and humanitarian aid. Barton also worked in hospitals in Cuba in 1898 at the age of 77. Barton's last field operation as president of the American Red Cross was helping the victims of Galveston Hurricane in 1900. The operation established an orphanage for children. Barton went on to publish her autobiography in 1907 titled The Story of My Childhood. On April 12th, 1912. At the age of 90, she died in her home. The cause of death was pneumonia. As you can tell, Clarissa Barton was a historic treasure and a pioneer in many ways. None of us can regret what Clara Barton did for America and the world. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Dead America. I hope you enjoyed Clara Barton, and make sure you share, like, and subscribe, and join us next week right here on DeadAmerica.website, where you're going to hear another fascinating experience from another historical icon. I'm Ed Waters, out.